once you have that faith and belief in yourself, when you can look in that mirror and like who you are, uh, wow, you can achieve anything you want in your life. When the show's over, director yells cut, the show is over. But when, when you fail, it means you're taking shots. It's about how you get back up. I was the first guy to do personal fitness training and made it an occupation. There, there was no occupation before I sort of coined it. I mean, I couldn't get on a telephone back in the day and order a pizza without stuttering up a storm and hanging up. When you're training, you're training your head too and do it at the same time. So when you're done with the workout, not only my work my body, I've succeeded for my entire day because I visualize success for the day. Let's do something different. Let's do something great. I want people to feel good, have that bounce in their step. And welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I am super excited to be here. As you all know, I have a big fat mission, and that is to help at least 10 million people to go after their dreams. That being said, right now, if you're here watching and listening, you are now the most important person to me. If you can take one item with you today to improve your life, become a little bit happier, find your own success, that would make me grateful. If I can help in any way, please reach out to me. You know where to find me. It's super easy. You just type in Peter Jumrukovsky, which everybody can spell too. I'm 100% sure. Otherwise, Google will help you and you can reach out to me. That being said, um, we have a very special guest here today. His name is Jake, Body by Jake Steinfeld. And he, I mean, he's a complete fitness innovator. He's changed the game before there even was a game. I mean, he started <laughs> Body by Jake Incorporated in the 80s to, to the benefits of healthy living and the motivation to actually get there. He's done so much more. He's sold companies to big networks. He's been the torchbearer for the Olympics in 2012, which is really awesome. He's also been the honorary mayor of Pacific Palisades and no one else than the governor Arnold Schwarzenegger choose him to serve as chairman for California's uh, Council on Physical Fitness. So without further ado, let me welcome Jake, Body by Jake Steinfeld. What's up, Pete? How you doing? I like the intro, brother. I like the intro. You know, great, great men deserve a great intro, right? Oh, uh, you're a smooth talker. You're <laughs> a smooth talker. I could just sit back and you just keep going talking about me. Yeah. You know, I've always said this. It's always better when someone else is saying nice things about you as opposed to you having to say nice things about yourself. I totally agree. And I mean, you still have the the talk, the vibe, the the New York, New Jersey vibe. Like, can we just talk about that? You've been in LA for 42 years. Like, is the East Coast always sticking with you? Always, man. I was uh I was born and raised. I was I was an overweight kid. I had a bad stutter growing up. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and uh raised in uh Baldwin, Strong Island. You I know you have a lot of fans and friends and uh uh, listeners and followers uh, who are East Coasters, man, a lot of Long Island, we call it Strong Island people. Uh, but uh, I just want to say before we get started, man, I, I love the intro that you had about wanting to get 10 million people 
you know, thinking about success, thinking about taking a shot in their life. You know, this is what I talk about all the time. Fitness is a huge part of my life. It's, it, it is my life, but you know, uh, one of everybody's blessed with a superpower. And I think, you know, this Pete, I mean, the bottom line is everybody, you, myself, everybody who's listening right now is a brand is a brand and you need to treat yourself as, as think of the most favorite brand that you love. Right. And, and you care about most. Well, before anybody buys anything from you or you do anything in your life, whatever it is, a doctor, lawyer, entrepreneur, whatever it is, people have to buy you. And if, and if they don't buy you first, no matter what it is you're selling, you're never going to succeed. And that's why I talk so much about, you know, personality and who you are as a brand that makes up the essence of who you are. And once you have that, and once you have that faith and belief in yourself, when you can look in that mirror and like who you are, uh, wow, you can achieve anything you want in your life. Yeah, I mean, Jake, but let's go back to that young, overweight kid who didn't have none of that. Like, can you just talk about, like, what was the first little inspiration you got to kind of change? Because I know I was overweight, uh, and I went from being overweight and fat with no confidence to 20 years later becoming a world medalist. So I, I did a long journey, but I'm curious, like, in your personal life, like, what happened? How did you become overweight? And what was that tipping point that made you like, hey, I need to change? Uh, well, how, how I became overweight, because I love Twinkies, you know, so that's what happens, you, you know, but, but having, having, a, having a bad stutter growing up, a, a very debilitating thing, uh, you, you know, and what, what you have to understand, too, so as a kid, thankfully, uh, had a mom and dad who loved me very much, and, you know, when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade, if you, you know, a lot of people cut back to those days of sitting in class and a teacher standing in front of the class and saying, okay, today we're going to read out loud. We're going to open our books and we're each going to take a paragraph and we're going to read out loud. And that to me, Pete, you know what? If someone said to me, Jake, you have a choice to jump off the Empire State Building or take a paragraph and read out loud, I would take the shot and jump off the Empire State Building. Because it wasn't that I didn't know how to read. It's just when you have a stutter, it... It's debilitating, man. And the air is so when you speak, you know, you learn, and I've learned, taught myself how to speak from my diaphragm, as opposed to when you get nervous and tight, you speak from your throat. Now, as I said, I could read, but the letter B and D and T and W, almost an S, you know, it's but and the more nervous you got, the the worse it sounded. And your friends would laugh and you know. And to, I would try to memorize a paragraph. There was a debilitating moment in my life. And I remember the principal calling my parents and wanting them, wanting my parents to put me into one of those special classes that thinking, you know, there's something wrong with your son. And my parents were great. They said, no, nope, he's going to stay in the mainstream, you know, make it in the population. And uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I fought through it. I learned. Uh, I was 13 years old. I'm a big believer in life's about moments, Pete. And everybody has moments in their lives. You have overcome a lot of adversity. A lot of the people that you talk to overcome a lot of adversity. And we learn as we go on in life that failing, 
failing, you must fail. You have to fail. Because if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And people also need to understand, failing isn't death. Death is death. When the show's over, director yells cut, the show is over. But when, when you fail, it means you're taking shots. It's about how you get back up. So here I am at 13 years old. And as I said, life is about moments. A lot of people, we have a lot of great moments, a lot of challenging moments. We all remember them and how do you deal with them? Makes us who we are. My dad calls me out into the backyard. It's the summertime in Baldwin, Long Island. He has a weight set, dumbbells, a barbell on a little bench set up. And he calls me out into the backyard. I'm the oldest son, oldest of four kids. Uh, and he says, come on, let's do some bench pressing, Jake. And I look down at my, my Twinkies. And I said, you know, this is not really for me, dad. And, uh, and he was a guy that would ask you to do something once. And that was it. For the rest of the summer, I never touched the weights. They just sat there. By the time the fall came around, I was also the oldest East Coast guy. A lot of East Coast fans know, where do you live? You live in the basement, right? That's where my bedroom was. So I'm going to cut back. I'm 62 years old now, right? So this was the early 70s. So in my bedroom, you could kind of visualize this, right? I had a black light and my black light posters with with, with with little stars on the ceiling painted with black light paint. So it looked very cool. I had Jimi Hendrix, a poster of him on one wall. I had Alice Cooper, a poster of him on the other wall. I also loved to listen to Frank Sinatra as I did it my way. And at the end of Frank's album, true story, there's this wild applause for Frank Sinatra. And when I would feel down, I would just play those 10 seconds of wild applause of people cheering. And I would just visualize of where I would go and what, and they were cheering for me. So here I was this one night doing my social studies homework. And my, and my dad had asked me, bring the weights inside. I put it in the laundry room, right? Which was literally off of my bedroom door. And I must've stared into that laundry room a thousand times, if not 2000 times. And I'm doing social studies homework this one night. I was never really a great student. My, my mind is wandering. And I looked across and I saw this barbell. Now, for whatever the reason was that night, I got up, I picked up the barbell, I walked it back into my bedroom, I put it on top of this ottoman, I took this little skinny mirror behind my bedroom door and put it on top of the ottoman. I queued up to 10 seconds of wild applause for Frank Sinatra. I put on my headset, right, to listen to the album, to listen to the music, listen to the applause. I grabbed the weight. So by the way, I had this tank top on with my stomach hanging over my underpants. And I started doing my bicep curls in front of 50,000 screaming fans at Madison Square Garden. I would visualize that from the applause. And I'm telling you something, Peter, the weights and me just got together, man. I mean, the weight started to build not just my body, but my confidence and my self-esteem. And now I'm standing up a little bit straighter. You know, girls start to recognize you. Uh, I'm making more friends. I'm feeling good about myself. And I have this dream. I'm going to go to California to become Mr. America. That was it. I mean, like overnight, I said, this is what I'm going to do. Well, there was a number of years in between, you know. Uh, and I graduated high school. I went to college upstate New York. You know Cornell University, Pete? Yeah, you do, right. I went to Cortland down the street, 
So where 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 uh, people know East Coast people, it snows from the second you get to college to almost the time you leave college. So for me, it wasn't too conducive to walk around in your gold lame posing trunks in 18 inches of snow. So I'm at college for three months. And like I said, it, it, it just wasn't for me. And I'm, as I said, the oldest, the first one in my entire family, mom and dad never went to college. Their, their, their families never went to college. This was a big deal in my family. Every day, I'm just dreaming about California. As I sit upstate New York, it's snowing. I'm thinking about Gold's Gym, all the big bodybuilders, right? The movie Pump and Iron had just come out, and I was just visualizing myself being there. You know, like I said, when all the dinosaurs still roamed the earth, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, and all these guys, I had their pictures. I cut them out from my muscle magazines on the wall. And all of a sudden, oh, my mom used to call every day, eh, two times a day. She would call to check in on me. Yeah, you know, how's poli sci? How's your English class? And this one day I finally got up enough courage. And you talk a lot about this too with a lot of your people about having dreams. You know, you have to have a dream. You have to have passion. You have a dream, man, that's what makes, it makes life beautiful. And this dream of mine was to go to California to become Mr. America. Well, I finally, took a breath and I told my mom, I said, Ma, I'm gonna to go to California to become a bodybuilder. I wanna become Mr. America. Silence on the phone, <laughs> either. And all of a sudden I heard, Herbie, my dad's name, pick up the phone and talk to your kid. I'm putting my head in the oven. <laughs> and, and it was one of those moments where I finally, I finally said what my dream was, man. I finally said it, like this weight lifted off of my shoulders. I felt like a million bucks. That bus ride from upstate New York all the way back to Baldwin, Strong Island, I felt like I was going from New York to Australia. It felt so long. I get home and I have this conversation with my parents and my they both were supportive, not overly, but get it out of your system, take some time off, but you can come back come back home and you know, you'll get back to your life. My friends, I had a girlfriend who said, you'll never make it. My friends all said, what are you thinking about? You were a fat guy, you're not gonna become Mr. America. And I thought about this. Obviously later in life, you think about these things too. And, and, and Pete, you know, I, you would probably agree. And no, I know you would, but sometimes when you express your dream or what your passions are, it's sometimes it's the people closest to you who seem to be the most negative. And it's for a couple of reasons, I think. One, they don't want to see you get hurt, right? They, they don't want to see you get hurt or upset or in their mind they're thinking, what's wrong with this kid? Look what he looks like. He's not going to become Mr. America. We better, we better get him a doctor's appointment before we let him go anywhere, you know? But then on the other side, there are other people like your friends and girlfriends and people like that who they don't want to see you succeed because there are people out there in this world, believe it or not, Pete, who believe that if Pete is successful, that means I can't be successful because there's not enough success to go around. And when you think about that, and I know you know this, man, oh man, there's plenty 
your success to go around. You always want to hang around with successful people, positive people, because that just makes you more excited, enthusiastic about what can be. And that's when I knew, and that moment, I made the trek from Baldwin, Long Island to L.A., 19, summer 1977. And I came out here. I didn't know a soul, brother. I didn't know anybody. Uh, I, I was driving. S some friends of my parents said, oh, he should live in Northridge, which is in the valley. And it's beautiful there. And it's so I found an apartment. Uh, my dad gave me enough money to lease a 1977 white Camaro. At white with Jake 77 on the license plate. Always kept a very low profile. Very important. Entrepreneurs <laughs> should know this. Low profile. And I used to drive literally from Northridge all the way over the hill. You know, you live in the marina now. So I drove over the hill, over the 405, to get to the 10 freeway. So I get to Venice, which was Gold's Gym. And then I started to work out at World Gym, right? Which was in the second floor of Main Street, summer 1977. I walk into the gym the first time, and there, like I said, the dinosaurs still roam the earth. There was Arnold and Lou Ferrigno. Pump and Iron came to life. The magazines came to life. It was unbelievable. And I had this, I said, okay. I entered the Mr. Southern California contest because I, I read all the muscle magazines, Pete. Everybody said, eat 18 eggs and 24 chickens a day, and you too could become Mr. America. Well, I'm here to report that I clucked a lot but I never became Mr. America. And here was a simple reason. I never took steroids. And nobody mentioned the word steroids in those magazines. And for me, it was this, it was this, it was another moment where it was like, now I have four kids. I'll be married 32 years, I'm a terrific wife, a, a girl and three boys uh, who are just awesome. My my life is about them and family. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I talked to my kids when they were little, especially about decisions. And there are sometimes, and you know this, Pete, if you have to think about something too long, it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. And here I was at 18 years old, almost 19. I left New York. I left college. I left my family. I left my friends. I left a girlfriend to pursue this dream. And here I was. I came in second place in Mr. Southern California. The guy that beat me was on steroids. And I'm afraid to take steroids. That's it, the bottom line. I mean, back to fourth and fifth grade, I don't know where you grew up, but you know, the nurse would do these TB tests, tuberculosis tests, where they give you that four prong, they hit you with the four prong thing. Well, it was a little, whoop. I'd faint. I'd go out like a lot. I mean, they had to carry me away. Do you think if I did that, that I could put a needle in my own battissimo? You're out of your mind. And that's truly the reason why I never took steroids is I was, I was petrified to, but I had to make a decision. Here I was 19 years old. Like I said, life is about moments. I love what working out did for me. I got big, I got strong. I had confidence. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I wasn't going to be a professional bodybuilder because you had to take steroids, but I love working out, but I decided to stay. And it was one of those moments in my life where I made that commitment to myself and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to make money, but I love it here. 
and I love what working out does for me, and I love how I feel. And right place, right time, right moment, brother. Um, I'm sitting at a, an apartment complex. I was living in Studio City, California. And, well, what every good muscle head does, right? I was catching rays, and I was bouncing in a bar at night and, uh, and working out in the morning. I was, li- I was living the dream, baby. You know, I was, <laughs> I was, I, I was living the dream. That's it, baby. And, 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 and uh, this, this gal comes over to me, who I've seen around the, you know, you know, she was around the pool a bunch. And she comes over, introduces herself. She says, hey, you know, I'm Sandy. Uh, I've seen you here a lot, Jake. Um, I had this Club Med commercial I have to do. I've got six weeks to get in shape. I'm just kind of wondering if you can help me, you know, because I like you, but I don't want to look like you. Now, this was 1979. Now we're in cut of a couple of years. So it's 1979. And this is just when Jane Fonda had just hit, hit the fitness scene with the high impact aerobics. At that time, women were very intimidated by using weights and because they thought they were going to get big muscles. So I'm, I'm just talking to this girl, right? And she looked pretty fantastic. But I already assessed in my mind, she needed the confidence to stand in front of a bunch of people on a camera in a bikini. So she said, could you help me out? And I said, yeah, I'm sure I could help you out. She said, well, how much is it going to cost? I go, I don't know. Give me gas money for my 1977 white Camaro (laughs) with Jake 77 on the license plate. And I, I, I started talking to her about coming up with a workout. I'm thinking in my mind, what should I do? So I came up with this idea. She said, could you come to my boyfriend's house and do the workout there? And I said, sure. Gave me an address in Beverly Hills. I came up with this 30-minute workout. Listen, I love the gym. I love working out. I don't like hanging around the gym. So I like to go in, get my workout in, and be out. I wanted to do the same thing with, with, with this woman. That I thought she has an A-type personality. You know, listen, bottom line, exercise is boring. If it wasn't boring, everybody would be in great shape, and I'd still be bouncing in that bar in Van Nuys. You, you know? <laughs> and, that, and, that's really, and that's really it. So you have to make it fun and interesting because everybody is very different. And what works for you, Pete, doesn't necessarily work for me or work for my wife or your wife or your mom or your dad. So you have to find what works for you and embrace it and make it a part of your lifestyle. That was my mission, right? And I figured I could figure something out. So I, I improvised with a broomstick for twists, right? Um, two cans of mama's tomato paste, right? You to, to do your bicep curls, a, a towel for resistance training, right? So I, I pull down on the towel and you pull up. If I were to hand you or your wife two 10 pound, 20 pound dumbbells, right? The, you would immediately think, oh, I don't want to get big arms. But if I took the towel and said, Pete, grab this, I'm going to pull down, you pull up, let's do some reps. Ah, I could do that. Resistance training. And I came up and, and used a chair for push-ups and dips. Worked it all together into a fun 30-minute workout. Really simple, right? Went to her boyfriend's house, Beverly Hills, knocked on the door. If you weren't on the cover of Musclehead Digest, I didn't know who you were. Guy answers the door, turns out to be Francis Ford Coppola. And I just looked at him and I thought, hey, this guy could use a workout too. <laughs> and he started, uh, they started going to parties 
And it was really amazing. People started saying, you look great. What are you doing? This guy, Jake, comes to a house. He's got a broomstick, a towel, and a chair. It's a 30-minute workout. It's really funny. He's pretty funny. He eats too much. They had a great refrigerator, Peter. A great refrigerator because, you know, I had no dough at the time. And, I, you know, when the workout was over, I opened the fridge. It was like, wow, this was like heaven. And the other thing was this. When people started saying to them, what a great idea this is. What's his, what's his phone number? Pete, I went from upstate New York to L.A. Back in the day, there were no cell phones, right? So you had to list your phone number. And one thing about Hollywood is if you're good, and people want to get a hold of you, and they seem to want you more, it became this mystique of who is this guy? you got to get him. Now, I'm living in Studio City, and I have this little tape recorder. You know, back in the day, you had a little beeper. You, 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 you know, you dial your number, and then you'd play a you, – you, you'd have a little beeper, and it would go, and then the tape recorder would rewind, and you'd hear messages. And I'm in my little one-room apartment. I'm getting messages from people like Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, Priscilla Presley, Bette Midler, Warren Beatty, Barbara Streisand. You name it, Steve Ross, who put time and Warner together, the heads of all the studios, the heads of all the talent agencies. I'm traveling around the world. And it's, it was amazing what happened. And I, I bring all these names up to, 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 to really make a point. Once again, Grounded in who I am and who I was and who I always will be, right? This kid from New York, always the same. Now I'm hanging out with all these people and I learned this amazing lesson. They're just like us. The only difference is they had a dream and never quit on their dream and never took no for an answer. And you know what, Pete, that gave me all the incentive in the world to say to myself, wait a second, wait a second. I might never direct ET2, but I'm going to have my own success in life. And once that started to happen, guys like Steven Spielberg became like my big brother. I trained Harrison for Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, and a number of films after that. And I learned about business. I learned about life from hanging with these people, the great and the not so great. And it was the best college you could have ever gone to. But the one thing I understood was, Wait a second. They're just like me. I mean, you know, okay, Harrison's Harrison's Spielberg, who I call Wheels is Wheels, you know, and, and I am who I am. I'm going to have my own success and rock and roll with this stuff. And, and then the world just opened up to me because think about this too, right? And I know you talk about this, and a lot of your folks are challenged sometimes as entrepreneurs. And we'll talk about entrepreneurship in a little while. You have this great idea. Listen, play with me for a second, right? You have this great idea. All day you're thinking about this incredible idea. Incredible idea, right? Before you go to bed, you write it down. I'm a big, I, I write things down. I got pads around all day long, man. I'm writing things down. You, before you go to bed, you write this great idea, whether it's a business idea, a song, a product, whatever it might be. You go to bed pumped up. You wake up in the morning. You're brushing your teeth. You're thinking about the 111 reasons why, all of a sudden, this product is not going to work. So before you walk out the door, 
you have stopped yourself because you created this downward spiral as opposed to this upward spiral of how am I going to make this work? Not how is this thing not going to happen? And I, look, I've always said it. Uh, you know, I was the guy with the C average in school. The guys with the A average are never used to failing. They're never used to getting an F on their report card. I got a couple, but, you know, talk my way out of to a couple of deltoids, you know. Uh, but the idea is you have to take shots in life, man. It's about taking shots. Because if you sit there, if you look at every business venture that, that mo mostly everyone starts with, right? Once something is successful, you're going, oh, why didn't I think of that, right? I was the first guy to do personal fitness training and made it an occupation. There, there was no occupation before I sort of coined it, trained it to the stars. I had that trademark. I love it. And I love the passion. This is what I tell people all the time. You have, If you're passionate about something, you got to talk about it. And that's how business is done. You, you got to show for it. You got to love it. And I I mean, this has been one of the fastest hours in my life. You're amazing. <laughs> you're positive. You're happy. I just have two more things, and then you got to go. I got to go, and I hope yeah, to yeah. see you in real life soon. Maybe do a workout together or something like that. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, I want to experience those 42 minutes because it reminds me of my dad. He's my sensei and karate coach, and he's, like, very meticulous. And uh, I just love having those routines. So two things. Could you read us the full poem? And, yes. and second, I have one final question. So let's do the question first, and then we'll end with you reading the poem. So sure, the question sure. is, for people listening to this show, what is the first thing they should do to get closer to their dreams right now? I would say immediately, write it down. Write the dream down. Because when, when you write something down, look, when, when you write something down, yeah. it becomes real and it becomes attainable. If all you're doing is thinking about something, it's all the way up here, it's too high, it's too, it's too, it's too big, it's too insane. Write it down, put it next to your bed. And I, I, don't, and I don't mean text it down. I mean, get a and pen and get a piece of paper, old school this guys, and write it down. And you might have to write it down a lot of times. But when you look at it, look at it and read it. And then when you read it, I want you to think about this. And I'm going to recite this poem because this is what it, this is. This is my life. Okay. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learn. And many a failure turn about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Don't quit. Boom, mic drop. Jake. Steinfeld, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. You're amazing. You're incredible. Anything we can do 
to help you uh, let me know. I, I'm a really fan of what you do and uh, excited that you took the time. Other than that, I just want to say thank you for everybody that are still here listening, watching, because as you said earlier, 60 seconds nowadays is long format. And you've been here with us more than one hour. That means that you are fucking serious about your life. (laughs) Write it down, you know, take action, create a better life and let us know what you're struggling with and what your success is. That will give us more, more fuel. I do all of this for free. I share it with the world. The only thing I expect from you is to show me some love. If you enjoy this conversation, share it with somebody that needs to hear the message. Also, you know, give us a review so we can help more people because nothing would make me happier than reaching my goal of helping at least 10 million people to achieve their dreams and transform their lives. That's it. We're out. Thanks again, Jake. All right, buddy. Don't quit.